And this is Leslie. And this is B. And you're listening to Getting Shitfaced, a podcast where two friends across the country from each other get together over drinks and talk about our favorite show, Shits Creek. This week, we're recapping the season two episodes, Ronnie's Party, The Motel Guest, and Lawn Signs. B, how's life this week? Um, life this week is going. I did start working out again, and that was both great and painful. Because <laughs> our gym is closed now for the foreseeable futures. So I just decided I had to buck up and do it at home. Right. <laughs> and I was in quarantine shape, let's just admit that. <laughs> I'm always in quarantine shape, so it's fine. <laughs> what about you? It's been weird. <laughs> Last night I was taking a shower and I turned off the water and the water stopped coming out, but I could still hear it running. So that was an adventure. It was just pouring out from behind the wall. And yeah, it turned out there was a leak in the pipe. I had to have emergency maintenance over. Love having strangers in my apartment in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was a great time. We're having fun. But if you guys didn't pay attention, you might go back and look in your queue for the podcast because we made a mini episode earlier this week over the cute little mini episode they made for the YouTube graduation. So you should go check that out. Yeah. And then come back and listen to this one. <laughs> let's talk about this week's episodes. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Um, so in these episodes, the campaign is going strong and heating up uh, with Moira and Jocelyn holding fundraisers, um, but Moira taps Ronnie to hold a, a fundraiser for her with a key constituency group, the Women's Business Association. And the campaign takes a toll both on the shits and the roses' marriages. But in the end, there's some dirty politics afoot, leaving Moira unopposed when Jocelyn drops out because she just can't take the heat of that. Uh, meanwhile, Alexis gets a new job and thinks about moving out, and David continues to be a good person and both babysit and get Wendy a big fucking check. <laughs> and this week, in honor of David and his victory over Blousebon Australia, we are drinking the deal closer. It is basically like a chocolate martini. Um, it's Vanilla rum, amaretto, Irish cream, dark creme de cocoa, and chocolate syrup. Um, who doesn't love chocolate drinks? They always sound like a good idea, but I'm always at the end of the, it. It was like that was a bad idea. But <laughs> You can have like one. If you have more than yeah. one, you definitely yeah. <laughs> Or like you're splitting one. Yeah. So should we jump into these episodes? Let's do it. In the last set of episodes we talked about, uh, Moira and Jocelyn are running against each other for town councilor, and uh, things are continuing along with a good old-fashioned fundraiser, town grassroots fundraiser, I would say. We're not hitting the big, the big wheels here, <laughs> and I don't know; those shits are playing dirty. <laughs> it's funny. I love that that cold open when it ends, and Moira says they're not as stupid. Mm -hmm. as we thought they were basically um yep. and you know johnny jokingly well he's not joking but it's a joke that he replies <laughs> that roland is that stupid right um, but yeah they're they're definitely rubbing it in a little 
Yep. That Jocelyn, Jocelyn has that town connection. And so she's taken full advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Moira, Moira jumps on pretty quickly and knows that she needs to get rolling on this. And so she kind of goes to, to Ronnie about it. And I agree with Ronnie that I still have problems with the mayor trying to be so involved in a campaign Mm-hmm. and get his wife on it like that's shady that is shady i would come to ronnie's party well and moira's right to to you know make an alliance with her basically and say look mm-hmm. we can we can oppose things here if we work together um and yeah ronnie you know that's a smart deal on ronnie's part <laughs> yeah and i would say like uh i said before i used to work in politics like my analysis of of the candidates <laughs> is that like Jocelyn is like the homegrown candidate and oftentimes that's an easy it's an easy win if name recognition but Moira is a really good candidate because she's quick to learn what she needs to do um even when it doesn't come easier easy to her like there's a lot of politicians where they don't know how to like be in every man or woman <laughs> Like Moira doesn't, but you learn, and those are the people that get somewhere. So, I would I would recruit her for a campaign. <laughs> she is trying. She's she's trying to reach out to people and find groups to support her, um, and she gets a little confused about which group exactly it is she that <laughs> she's going to get the support of. Um, but you know, she's making an effort. She's not just trying to rely on her name as good enough to get get her there you know yeah she's putting those acting skills to be able to pivot trying to connect with people when she talks about being a working mom slash fundraiser (laughs) and almost forgetting her children but it's fun it's fun to see them like play that out like what honestly these are like campaigns on tv it's like anybody who works in a profession that you see on tv you're like oh they're doing it wrong clearly there's things wrong with this but also weirdly they've gotten a good a good approximation of a campaign going on here nice i do have a question yes so we get another peek at moira's childhood but mm. pre being rich and famous um that her first job was sweeping up hair in a hair salon mm-hmm what in the world were her and Johnny doing having jobs at 10 years old? Because <laughs> wasn't John, where did Johnny work? The brick factory? The button factory. The button factory. <laughs> yeah. uh, what kind of child labor laws are happening in Canada? <laughs> you know, it was a while ago. Maybe things were different then. Um, no, I don't know. That's a good question. I always assumed Moira's was maybe like a family thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I also have a question. Yes. (laughs) Which is that in this episode, we see Ronnie with Karen, who has a gravel business, um, Mm -hmm. who they seem to be dating. And I want to know where Karen went. That is like a huge question always. Where did Karen go? Right. I mean, Ronnie deserves happiness in her life. I mean, she does have the florist. She does get the florist later on. That's true. Mm hmm. I hope she's very happy with the florist wherever she is right now. I hope she is too. There were some nice flowers in the Dear Class of 2020 thing. So I think she's still with the florist. 
what else is happening in this episode? Alexis gets starts her job with Ted. With her very short scrubs. <laughs> her very short scrubs. I just have so many questions about what she did to those scrubs. Like, that's not a good look anyway. <laughs> she's she's trying to make it work for her, you know? Um, maybe this isn't the way to go about it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, like, what the shoe situation was when she had the pant scrubs back on. Because... She had had heels on. <laughs> I love, though, David giving her shit before she leaves the... Oh, yeah. Just the two of them back and forth about Alexis's nail polish line. <laughs> <laughs> that, that they swore didn't have lead in it. Every every insight into Alexis's past is always a gift. Uh, <laughs> there are so many good ones in these episodes, too. In this episode, actually, when she talks to um, Doris. Oh gosh, what's Doris. I'm like, Maureen? No, Doris. <laughs> uh, about the Sultan's son. Yes. <laughs> that she dated for half a regime change. <laughs> yeah. She's had quite the life. It's no wonder yeah. that she doesn't really understand what she's doing in this job. <laughs> no, but I have a question about that because I felt for Alexis because Ted just kind of like, is like, here, here's the filing. Like Ted, any job you have to train someone. Yeah. Like I was impressed. She knew how to put someone on hold because I don't think he told her how to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. She definitely figured that out on her own. And I, I think you can, you know, you see her struggle with that in the episode to the point that it seems like she wants to quit. And she kind of goes mm -hmm. in there to Ted to, to maybe tell him that um, before it turns out that Mittens has died. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Mittens. Yeah, poor Mittens. Um, but yeah, like, she just kind of is thrown into this. And by the end of it, she's, she's making it work. Mm -hmm. It just takes her a bit to find her footing in it. Yeah, and I think you see, like, we've seen, we see throughout the rest of this series that, like, Alexis is just really good about adapting to her surroundings. Like, you know that from before she was here. Um, yeah. But she, you know, just really feels for Doris and her love life and <laughs> mittens. <laughs> and uh, she makes it work. She does. And I think that you can start to see the hints here of the P the PR career that she's eventually going to mm -hmm. have, where she kind of knows how to spin things to Doris to make the blow easier. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Ted obviously is pretty impressed by what she's able to do with it. And she's eventually going to turn that into a whole career. Yeah. But please don't ever wear those scrubs again. <laughs> uh, and then David is just off both don't i can't decide if david is destroying the boss barn or not because like you think on the surface it's funny and that like he's done all these things and she has to go to business but he is selling leather ponchos and they're selling <laughs> yeah i mean he's certainly made some choices that have been a financial liability for the mm -hmm. store um but what he's like, he's selling things. He's making it work. People are still coming to the store. You know, we yeah. see Joplin in the previous set of episodes came by. Um, you know, people haven't run away because of the mm -hmm. changes that he's made. So I feel like if Wendy had just reined it in a little bit, put a little bit of a limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I I think I 
think of this too with hindsight of season five and knowing how <laughs> Wendy spends her money right. then that maybe a lot of this isn't just David's do- doing right. to her financial situation. Right. Um, but we do see the beginnings of of issues with money. Yeah. And she she clearly puts a lot of trust in whoever she decides to run a business mm-hmm. with. Um, and I don't think her trust in David is misplaced. No. Because he's not... Like, he's trying to make changes that will help. He's not taking advantage of her like Antonio does. Right. Um, you know, he may not always get it right, but he's he does have like a very clearly defined brand that he's trying yeah. to build for her. And like I said, with, with just like a limit on the spending, it right. would have probably been okay. Yeah. If he just bought two less taxidermied pheasants. <laughs> but David is just continuing to show his good personness, and that he, even though he's kind of, again, <laughs> snuck into make to doing it, he agrees to babysit for Wendy, her teenage stepdaughter, preteen stepdaughter. Yes. Um, and he just shows that he's a just a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Even when she asks, like, obviously he tries to get out of it. We talk about this all the time. That right. you know, his first instinct is always to kind of grumble about whatever it is. But when he ultimately agrees, the way he says that he's looking forward to it, I mean, he's not actively, like, excited about it. But he's right. clearly like, yeah, this will be fine. And, you know, he tries to find something that they can do and bond over. And he's doing actually a pretty damn good job. <laughs> he did a good job. And especially as someone else who does not like children, he's doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And apparently is good in a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> when it's not his crisis. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. When it's not his crisis. <laughs> but yeah. He, he makes sure that she has what she needs and that she's not going to be embarrassed about it. Um, and he just, I don't know, he's just, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. I mean, he maybe screams health accessories a little loudly, but <laughs> he just wants her to be comfortable. And I appreciate that about him. And he doesn't freak out to her about what has happened to his bed. <laughs> yeah, he, he manages to like bottle it in just mm-hmm. enough to, to be able to get through this for her sake. Yeah. Um, which is a, a big thing for him, I think. <laughs> oh, he tries. It also makes me think about situations where that was David, you know, that he needed mm-hmm. someone to reach out and take care of him in some way, and he quite possibly didn't have people to do that. Yeah. Um, and that that sort of made him into this person who can, you know, put aside his own problems to, to help someone else in that situation. Yeah. <sighs> Another episode where we... Love David. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> what a shock. Oh, and that takes us to the motel guest. My number two cold open. I Your love number cold two open. cold it's open. It's so good. It's so funny. Just all uh, of them yelling at each other. It, it's so good. <laughs> it's such a simple gag, but it's very effective. Right? I just love that they're as from a from a family of yellers like that <laughs> where you're not actually yelling at each other but you're like I can't come in the room we have to yell from each other's rooms uh, I appreciate that cold open 
my favorite part is when he's like, you would think I would listen to that type of music. <laughs> Who doesn't love some good old Melissa Manchester? Uh, <laughs> no one. <laughs> I mean, obviously Roland and Jocelyn are a fan. <laughs> they did make it their wedding song. And the song that they first, you know. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know about those those kids. <laughs> I wrote Trouble in Dairy Castle in our show notes. Because <laughs> the shits are having some some problems, if we call it that. Like, clearly they're fine in the long run. But Roland has basically moved in to the motel. Yes. <laughs> he brought a cooler. <laughs> and apparently a lot of undershirts. A lot of undershirts that already needed washed. <laughs> he bought a big thing of cheese puffs. I mean, you gotta have the necessities. <laughs> Is that a popcorn maker? <laughs> in the corner? There's just, you, it's one of those times you need to pause and look around the room to see what's happening. Because there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot happening there, yeah. It's quite the mess. <laughs> yep. Um, but he is taking some time from Jocelyn. They're having some words. You know, Moira and Johnny are as well. Which Roland hears through the very thin walls. <laughs> Uh, I love the, like, comparison to how they fight with each, like, the two couples fight with each other. <laughs> and I love watching the fight unf- unfold between Johnny and Moira. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's very funny, but it's also, like, a very real fight. <laughs> it is. I like, though, that it's not, it never dives into the sort of stereotypical mm-hmm. sitcom husband and wife bickering everybody gets annoyed with someone every now and then and so like it's nice to see that they're not you know this perfectly happy couple at all moments they they do get on each other's nerves every now and then but it's still a lot more gentle i guess Mm -hmm. than the kind of thing you see in most sitcoms yeah it's not mean-spirited yeah on both parts like both couples are like that. yeah and even when, even when Roland and Moira get into a fight, when it does become mean spirited, they immediately realize it and yeah. take a step back. Yeah, they back off. They apologize. Um. So they're 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 very kind to each other, even in their fights. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part of the Moira and Johnny fight is just the teacup, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much in Johnny's corner for that of her right. she, she keeps putting her teacup on his portfolio and he keeps moving it and she keeps putting it back and you're gonna leave a ring <laughs> that teacup I was like that would be a very David and Patrick fight <laughs> I mean that's that's like their mirrors right so. right yep <laughs> I do have Something that we should discuss as part of this plot line, though. Uh-huh. Which is, it's not it's not timeline related, but it's close. <laughs> it is the changing room numbers at the Rosebud Motel. Not yet the Rosebud Motel, but... Um, yeah. So in season one, Moira and Johnny are in the room directly next to the office, uh, uh-huh. which is room six, and David and Alexis are in room seven. 
Um, and at the start of this season, they move them down a room specifically to accommodate this episode because you can't have them share a wall with someone if the office is next to them, right? Um, right. And so they move the wall physically down a room and put room five to the right of the office now uh, between them and the uh, Rose's room. And so that's fine. Like, I can deal with that. Whatever. Right. <laughs> like, sometimes you realize later on things have to change, right? Um, it's just later on down the line, it starts to become real weird. <laughs> yes. You start, you know, you've got season two now, you've established that we're all down a room, but they have the same room numbers, it's fine. Like, uh -huh. we, we can make that work. But then, once you start getting into later seasons, um, sometimes the room numbers change and uh -huh. room six is suddenly back next to the office. Sometimes uh -huh. it's still room five. Eventually you get further down the line and you get David and Alexis coming out of room eight instead of room mm -hmm. seven. Not just the physical location of it, but also the room number on the door changes. And yep. It's just, it's quite the continuity mess. Yep. They <laughs> end. Yeah. Happy ending, like literally in the dialogue, says the incorrect room number. Um, just what a mess. What a mess. Also that they can accommodate this episode originally <laughs> yes but you could have accommodated this episode and then not had all this other problems <laughs> right <laughs> it is annoying to me too because on the even on the keychain that you can buy from the store mm -hmm. i always assumed it said room seven because that's david and alexis's room right but then at the end it's johnny and moira's room yes and then there's where all the other rooms lie like yes. room four and and sometimes it's just a result of them using old establishing shots mm -hmm. i get that um but not always <laughs> yeah well what else is happening in this episode uh, elsewhere we've got david and alexis fighting over poor dead carl's apartment <laughs> poor carl who we remember from carl's funeral in season one I mean, that's, we're always just assuming this is Carl, unless there's been two people that killed themselves with a ceiling fan in Shit's Creek. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, I definitely would assume that this is Carl's, but who knows? It's a nice apartment, though. It's a super nice apartment. I have questions about some things about that apartment, <laughs> uh, but it's really cute. They're kind of both really wanting it. <laughs> the rent is the cheapest rent you could ever possibly have, probably. 275. Do you know how many apartments I could have at that place <laughs> compared to my current rent? <laughs> yeah. I also love that it's a studio apartment, but seems to have rooms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, maybe Ray just doesn't know what studio means. <laughs> he clearly doesn't know what a one bedroom means. <laughs> so I'm really confused why there's a studio apartment, but it has a dining room. <laughs> and then also in the dining room, there's windows, which are beautiful, but then there is a wall of curtains. <laughs> they show an establishing shot of the building. That would There's not enough places for those windows. There'd be windows back there. So I just think that that's where the murder part of the house is. <laughs> what are they hiding back there? And also, if you look behind David, at one point you see a curtain doorway, and I assume that that's another bathroom with a curtain. <laughs> Lots of weird things happening in Schitt's Creek Apartments. But, you know, it's soundproofed, so <laughs> what more could you want? 
You could scream all you want. No one would hear you because behind that curtain is where you get murdered. <laughs> I just love the sibling just ridiculousness mm-hmm. in this episode. They're just so... They pick at each other so well. They do. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in the show is in this episode, and it is the last scene between David and Alexis when they're in bed. Mm-hmm. I just love that scene uh, because it is... That is my chi- that is my childhood. <laughs> my sister used to do literally almost the same thing to me, so I'm pretty sure this is probably a real life <laughs> situation that has been written into the episode. Mine was my sister would tell me that Sammy Terry, so Sammy Terry was this guy who used to like dress up in a creepy green makeup and like intro horror movies on Friday nights. <laughs> and Around Halloween, they would play him on the radio, and my sister would purposely leave the radio on. So, like, in the middle of the night, his creepy voice would show up, and then she'd leave (laughs) and go stay with her friends. (laughs) And I would scream for my parents. She would tell me that Sammy Terry was coming to get me, so I feel for Alexis in this (laughs) Listen, who hasn't been there? Who hasn't terrorized their siblings? It's just something you only siblings. older siblings. <laughs> that is true. I am the older sibling, so I definitely yeah. did my fair share of this. <laughs> oh goodness! Lawn signs. Lawn signs. The the campaign continues, but we're almost there. <laughs> we're almost there. I. I don't hate this episode. <laughs> I hate lawn signs with a burning passion. <laughs> um, because if you've ever worked in politics, all people want are fucking lawn signs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would be here to tell everyone, lawn signs don't vote, Roland. <laughs> You're wasting your money. <laughs> Moira is smarter than you. And only buys apparently three. (laughs) But this is literally my worst nightmare come to life of just someone just literally blanketing towns and lawn signs. Because I have had people want me to do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's not particularly fun. (laughs) And we didn't do it. We went and like knocked on doors and talked to people. You know, whatever. I love this episode. I don't like lawn signs. (laughs) I love, though, that Moira comes up with a very inventive way. <laughs> Ingenious way. And I'm like, now I need, if I ever go back into politics, just need to do this. <laughs> All of our lawn sites were stolen. The fact that she gets Jocelyn to get her students to make signs for her. Like, she doesn't ask for that, but that's no. what ultimately happens here. <laughs> it's just so brilliant. <laughs> it is deviously wonderful. <laughs> She pulls Twyla over for the initial conversation to make sure that there's, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's going to spread it around town. Like, she has this planned out. And, like, got the best person to give that would be sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't tell Johnny. Even I don't even think she she says I, she assumed that he knew, but, like, I don't even think that. Um, she didn't quite think of a good place to hide them. <laughs> Stevie did find them pretty easily. In their trash. And I'm like, they have tiny trash cans. Where was this? (laughs) Uh, 
but she's pretty smart. And what Moira does is not actually, I would say that's not unethical. It's a little questionable. What Roland and Jocelyn do is actually unethical. (laughs) That is true. And I love that Moira says, it's not unethical to do questionable things in the spirit of competition. And I would agree for what she did. She's thinking about herself, but she's talking about Jocelyn and Roland. And Roland apparently was basically forcing people to put lawn signs in their yard, which is in some cases illegal. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't know about their their election laws where they are, but uh, it's, if nothing else, unethical. (laughs) So I'm like, Moira, no, that is actually, you are right. That is wrong. (laughs) Also, potentially unethical to have your students electioneer. (laughs) Yeah. Even for a good cause. (laughs) Yeah. Well, especially since I have no idea what age Jocelyn actually teaches. She seems to teach all different ages at various points. All Um, subjects, too. (laughs) Yeah, so we can't really assume these are like high school seniors doing government class or something. (laughs) Yes. Um... And, you know, small towns, sometimes things like that happen. So I guess I could give that one a pass. But I just feel like it's actually a good thing that Jocelyn drops out because by the next next week, she was about she was about to voter fraud. (laughs) (laughs) And now she can just go home and relax and have a glass of wine instead of going to jail (laughs) Mm -hmm, and watch MasterChef Junior. (laughs) Yes. And not cry. (laughs) Or if you're me, cry anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But Moira is the town counselor. She is the new town counselor for Schitt's Creek for the next four, perhaps, years. (laughs) But yeah, I love that she doesn't quite realize what she's getting into until Mm -hmm. she has it. Because she just, she had, it was a popularity contest that she needed to win. It did not matter what the actual prize was that she was winning. Mm -hmm. Again, I think this is Jocelyn being very smart. And realizing just how much Moira is not going to actually enjoy that. Right. Yeah. And also, like, she has probably, too, from, like, getting in the fight with Roland, been like, oh, yeah, I don't actually want to be right. around my husband all the time. Um, so, yeah. But I just love that scene of her singing. <laughs> <laughs> and just her face. She knows what's gonna- coming for her. Yep. I also love that we closed the loop on that song. I know. <laughs> I like a good full circle on a jazzy gal song. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's funny how long the process is of that song compared to after this, it's always just like one and done. <laughs> yeah. They just really wanted to get this one right. <laughs> um. Meanwhile, the blouse barn is closing. Closing its doors. Wendy yep. has decided to sell out to Blast Barn Australia, sell the naming rights. Mm-hmm. David, not so sure that that's a good plan. Not so sure it's a good plan both to keep his job and, like, he's genuinely interested in this situation of, like, figuring it out for her. I think he does, like, care about Wendy. Like, she gave him a chance when she didn't have to, and sure, he wants to keep his job, but yeah. he also cares. Yeah, he he doesn't want people to take advantage of her, and that's mm-hmm. clearly what he thinks is happening here. And he's right, um, and he just can't he can't let that stand. And you know, it's one of those things where, again, David being a good person, mm-hmm. <laughs> he just he has to do something to help yeah. when he sees that 
that this isn't right. And, you know, he asks his dad for advice and perhaps doesn't get the best advice there. Um, And he's doing his internet research and he, you know, lets Alexis come along to help out. And he's just, he's doing whatever he can. And like you said, it's sort of, there's kind of an initial motivation of wanting to keep his job. Yeah. Um, But that's all he's really looking for. He's not looking for the the compensation we know he ultimately gets out of this. He's not looking for a piece of the pie. He just was like, I want to help her and I want to still have a job. That's it. Right. Like, even after he finds out she got a lot of money, he's like, okay. Yeah. Let's get back, back to, to work. work. Yeah. And it's really, it is really interesting to see him both being a good person, but like maybe also like what you were talking about earlier, like maybe like David knows what it's like to be taken advantage of. And yeah. he doesn't want that to happen to someone else, even though she is a, a hot mess, as he says, <laughs> which is clearly an understatement. But it's just like kind of sad how they just all kind of underestimate him mm-hmm. in this situation of like, he goes to Johnny for advice. He just tells him that they should take the money. Um, Alexis says he's not ready to do that kind of stuff. So she needs to come along. Everybody just always underestimates David, but David continuously goes out after things. He does. Yeah. He, he demonstrates good business sense here in the fact Mm -hmm. that he knows that the name has to be worth more than what they're offering. He does his research in figuring out, you know, what, Blastbond Australia is doing in terms of sales and expansion and all of that. Uh, he's he's really making some good choices despite what everyone else right. is telling him. Wendy repeatedly tries to shut him down whenever he's in the process of asking for more money. Yeah, uh, He's like the only one who actually is making sense. <laughs> yeah, he is. I mean, David might not be like business school guy and like have business knowledge. Like clearly mm-hmm. he has issues with write-offs and taxes (laughs) uh but he has good business instincts yeah and that makes him a successful business owner later on yeah and it's nice to see him you know fight through that here because Mm -hmm. it does i think help obviously build his confidence into being able to run his own store later on right so much of what we get in the later seasons is because of this episode you know, yep. when you really think about it like this is this is where rose apothecary starts is with this check yeah, if he had just said, okay, you should take the money, right? literally his entire life would be different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, good job, David. <laughs> that is almost all of season two. It is. We're almost there. I go so fast. <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode? Um, out of these three, I think I'd have to go Lawn, lawn Signs. I, the too. stuff with Wendy, just with Wendy and David is puts this one on the top for me yeah i like all three of these episodes but that this one for i just the with the lawyer and david alexis like playing off that and then also like because this literally is a pivotal moment for david at least well for moira too it's it's a great episode yeah it's just nice to see him get a chance to feel confident and competent Mm -hmm. in a way that we don't always get from him yep um, do you have a favorite line from these episodes? <laughs> yeah, I really like when Alexis starts her job in Ronnie's party. Um, Ted at one point comes out and asks her why there are three calls on hold. And she replies with, um, I don't know, someone hung up? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Just very Alexis, very perfect. <laughs> yeah. I My favorite 
line is also from the same episode and it is David when Alexis comes out in this in the full scrubs not short scrubs uh she just like hates it and he just digs it in and goes you look like a stick of gum (laughs) he's not wrong he's not wrong (laughs) and that's what makes it funny that whole scene is so good oh yes love it let's talk about fashion speaking of that scene Speaking of that scene, I agree with you on this. Listen, we don't see David in very simple outfits very Mm -hmm. often, but this very simple look of the black t-shirt with the Rick Owens moto jeans is a very good look. It's a very good look. Also, t-shirts. It doesn't wear enough t-shirts. It doesn't wear a lot of t-shirts. He wears two t-shirts in this series of episodes. Mm -hmm. We get that one and we get the don't t-shirt in the motel guest. This one's like more fitted. Yeah. Yeah. Looks good on him. He can rock a good t-shirt. It's a good look compared to Alexis looking like a stick of gum. (laughs) (laughs) But there is something, something that eludes us. (laughs) Listen. That we have to talk about with Ronnie's party. I think we should crowdsource. (laughs) I think we should set out a call to the masses. (laughs) If someone can find me this fucking jacket. (laughs) I just... I just want it so badly, and I don't even know who makes it, because we cannot find it. Were you talking about the cream bomber jacket? It's got quilted panels. It's got the double zipper. It's mm-hmm. got the zippered pockets on the chest. It is a fantastic jacket. It's I love a, jacket. a good bomber jacket. I want it so badly. <laughs> All of those words give me, like, my brain hurts because I have searched those words. <laughs> So, so many times, many times <laughs> looking for this jacket. We have found literally everything David has worn besides like five things. And most of the other ones are because it's like black sweater. <laughs> right. Like plain black sweater. Okay. That's hard to find. You would think this jacket is distinctive enough, but cannot find it. We have looked at so many things and it just does not seem to exist on the internet. Did Dan Levy sew this jacket himself? <laughs> what? Where is it? Where is it? Custom made. <laughs> the sheer amount of time that I spent looking for this jacket, both in like, like Philip Lim to like Forever 21. <laughs> yeah, like everything. We've done fast fashion. We've done actual designers, you know, just looked everywhere. Um, I went through, there was a point where there were a whole lot of D squared jackets that were very mm, similar. Yes. That I went through, but none of those were right. Like, what a pain to not be able to find this one thing. <laughs> And I, I'm someone who will give up after a while, but I just like this jacket so much. It's so good. And it looks fantastic on him. <laughs> it looks, that's, that whole look is so good. Yes. Yeah. And I, we just need to know, guys, who makes <laughs> this jacket. Just for the sake of curiosity, at least. Even if I'm not going to get to own it, I just want to know who makes it. Listen, internet people, fashion people. Dan Levy, someone tell us who made this jacket. (laughs) Please, please, hit me with a link. (laughs) In other David looks, there are one of my favorite pairs of pants. Oh, yes. Again, please let me own these. Um, They are the floral Dries Van Noten pants that he wears in um, the end part of Ronnie's party when he's babysitting. Mm -hmm. Those, they're so gorgeous. (laughs) I love that, like, dark floral pattern. Mm -hmm. They look super comfy. They look comfy. I like that they are 
two-tone so there's no mm-hmm. floral pattern on the back because like you shouldn't yeah. have floral patterns on your butt so <laughs> i like the the cut of them like yeah. how straight they are Ugh, good and pair of pants we don't see david in a ton of florals like obviously there's the baby's breath Givenchy mm-hmm. <laughs> that we see a few times but we don't see a ton of like actual florals from david um and i particularly love these yeah yeah we also get moira wearing kind of a run of colorful looks here yeah in particular there's the the pink floral balenciaga skirt that she's wearing mm-hmm. when she asks about having a party at ronnie's when she's talking to twyla there's that orange like flame sort of looking mm-hmm. one um she's she's breaking out a little bit of the color on the campaign trail <laughs> I know. I was like, is she wearing color to like, she thinks that helps her become more approachable? <laughs> what, what's happening here? But the Balenciaga skirt, I love that skirt. I would own that skirt. Yeah, it's very nice. I don't even like pink that much for myself, <laughs> but I would love to own that skirt. Uh, it's great. It is. It's nice. And then, of course, we have to talk also about Alexis and David's lawyer looks. <laughs> And Alexis's fashion pony. <laughs> yes. When it comes time to get serious and look like a grown-up, <laughs> these, <laughs> these are the looks you go with, apparently. Um, I love that Alexis raids Moira's closet for this. Because mm-hmm, her looks are not scary enough. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> she's not wrong. You know, if she popped in there in like a, a little Isabel Morant dress or a mm-hmm. Derek Lamb or something, she would not be taken seriously as no. a pretend lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Brady Moore's closet works and she looks great in this outfit. <laughs> I know. I love that dress. I love the dress. I love the, the lobster like brooch thing. So great. One of the many that she wear, wears to bed, but also mm-hmm. with her everyday outfits. Um, and I love I love David's suit. Yes, that acting studio suit is great. I love it. And like, part of me is like, mm, this is a little just too much for a lawyer, but right. I think it works for him. It works for David, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't work on some other people to be taken right. seriously. but If it... he were an actual lawyer, it also would not work. <laughs> no. No. But it works for him, and it looks killer on him. Yes, yeah. He looks fantastic. Dan always looks incredible in a suit in general. So mm-hmm. I'm always excited for opportunities to see David in suits. Yeah. Next week, we get to watch one episode. One episode. <laughs> because it's one of our favorite episodes. It's happy anniversary. Yay. Yay. We've made it to the end of season two. <laughs> We've made it to the end of season two. We've hit good people, Rose family. <laughs> time <laughs> the beginnings of so much yep they've come so far and now we're about to embark on to so much more yep so don't miss out yeah. on next week and of course in the meantime be sure to check us out on twitter and instagram at ShipFacePod. and if you want to find us personally you can find me on twitter at leslie the baker and i'm brandy and indy on twitter and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts as it helps more people to find the show And on that note, we will be back next week to talk happy anniversary. In the meantime, if you're protesting, stay safe. Otherwise, you know, keep donating, keep signing petitions, do all that. Do what you can. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.